This audio is brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton. Welcome back to the Wharton Sports Business Show here on Sirius XM Business Radio, channel 132. I am your host, Michelle Young, with the Wharton Sports Business Initiative. We just wrapped up two great conversations, one with Lindsay Jones of USA Today and one with Adam Stern of the Sports Business Journal talking about the NFL and NASCAR. We're going to shift gears here as we are happy to have Jack Gretzinger, CEO and co-founder of SeatGeek, on the line. Jack, welcome to the program. Hey, Michelle. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Before we jump into what SeatGeek is for all of those who might not know about it, can you talk a little bit about your background before SeatGeek? Yeah, so I um, grew up um, in uh, Ohio and, and uh, sort of a programmer at the heart. So I was building websites throughout my whole childhood um, and uh, then went to school uh, at Dartmouth in New Hampshire and met a guy named Russ who you know, eventually became my, uh, one of my co-founders of SeatGeek. Um, and you know, both of us got consulting jobs right out of school, but we're sort of constantly talking about um, doing a, a company together. We'd actually done one before earlier. Um, so uh, quit our consulting jobs seven months in and uh, sat down and, uh, and uh, launched SeatGeek. And so when you started SeatGeek, um you know, officially in 2009. Why did you choose to do it? What did you see in the space that made you want to start the um, SeatGeek? Yeah, so, you know, we were living in Boston at the time. And Boston, for those Boston sports fans who remember back in 2009, everyone was winning everything. Um, I think three of the four teams won their leagues. So we, for fun, it started to just kind of, you know, sell some tickets online, Craigslist, eBay, et cetera. Um, we were both huge sports fans, went to a ton of concerts. So we sort of just, you know, became became familiar with the market as very amateur ticket sellers. Um, but also we're just kind of blown away by how user antagonistic we thought that um, the experience of buying tickets online was and the experience of discovering stuff to go to and, you know, coordinating with friends. So figure is that um, there's got to be a better, easier way to really deliver live entertainment, you know, sports, music, theater to people. Um, and to add some transparency, you know, in the process. So that was sort of kind of like the founding vision behind uh, behind SeatGeek. Can you explain to our listeners exactly what SeatGeek is? How yeah, is? so you, ultimately it's um, the ultimate ticket app in your pocket that's going to, A, help you discover, you know, it's going to learn about what you like to do. It's going to help you discover stuff around you that you didn't know about. And then once you've decided that you want to go buy something, um, we're going to deliver it to you the most inventory on the internet, all in one place, for the best prices. Help you easily find the best deals. Um, once you've bought a ticket, you know, in a few taps, we'll zap that ticket to your phone. You can share it with friends. You can um, you can get into the event just using the app. So it's sort of this ecosystem, all centered around making it just incredibly dead simple to to go to a show or go to a game or go to a concert. And that makes sense, being that it's 2018. But when you started the uh, company in 2009. What did the ticket landscape look like then? Yeah, so that was it was pre-mobile, and you know, if I were to kind of simplify the, the evolution of things, the, the advent of mobile and us, you know, being fortunate to be early adopters of it was really kind of what spurred us to um, to some early traction. And the interesting thing about mobile is, you know, mobile in the, in the tech world is kind of a very buzzwordy thing that people has been talked about forever. Um, in some 
categories where people are buying things. Mobile just means that you know what you previously could buy on your computer, you can now buy on your phone. But ultimately, it doesn't really change what you can buy or how you can buy it, where, where you can buy it. It's really interesting for live events because it actually just enables all sorts of experiences that um, that you couldn't have before. So whereas pre- previously, if you know when using a laptop, you needed to get a ticket shipped in the mail to you. Um, that means it has to be something um, that you plan, you know, a week, two weeks, two months in advance. Whereas in sort of a mobile world, you can just zap a ticket to someone's phone instantly. Um, given that, you can make a buying decision when you're at a bar with some friends, and five minutes later, you know, you're sitting uh, sitting in the bleachers. Um, and it, it, that kind of um, sort of incremental experiences that just didn't really exist before that we really uh, been able to enable. So what was it like getting something like SeatGeek off the ground, and what did it require? Um, so, you know, early on, we were super scrappy, um, intentionally didn't raise much money, just focused laser hard on building the best product we possibly could and, and figured, you know, we're going to live or die by what we build. Um, been around for nine years, so the company's you know, sort of grown steadily throughout that. We ended up um, raising some more money and have some great investors behind us. Um, and then later on, we also launched um, Enterprise Business, we call SeatGeek Open, um, which now works with some of the biggest venues in the world um, to power their ticketing and to distribute tickets openly across the whole internet. Um, so we've sort of that, the product we started with, the consumer product, and we also have SeatGeek Open that we run as well. That's amazing. How many people did you have when you started, and where are you at with numbers today? We started, we were, uh, there was just three of us all in a very crappy office in New York uh, programming uh, 24-7. Um, and today we're a little over 400 folks. That's great. And where are you today from a business standpoint? So, um, you know, the Seeky consumer experience is uh, focused on the U.S. and Canada, and we have, you know, many millions of folks who use Seeky to discover events and buy events. Um, and then on the enterprise side, we we ticket some of the largest venues in the world, including AT&T Stadium with Dallas Cowboys. Um, Manchester City in the UK, um, and, um, you know, lots of other teams and venues as well. So what is the advantage for someone that might be a little bit, say, more familiar with a competing ticket uh, company to using SeatGeek? Yeah, so um, I guess you're speaking about um, the uh, SeatGeek Open Enterprise side of things? Yes. Yeah, so we have kind of a fundamentally different model, um, and it's one totally focused around openness. Um, the kind of legacy model in our industry has been uh, one of close exclusivity, where you know a venue would kind of contract with a legacy ticketing company and then only sell tickets on that that company's site, which is pretty strange when you think about you know, the, the broader context of e-commerce and how people usually sell things online. Um, you know, that would be like if Hilton decided that they were going to allow only Expedia to sell all of their inventory and not use any other travel site, which, of course, is sort of silly, right? It would mean that, um, you know, Hilton would get less distribution and, and sell fewer rooms. It would also mean that, that the user experience was probably worse because, in my example, you know, Expedia wouldn't have any incentive to really create a better user experience. It would have a monopoly on that distribution point. And that's what's existed historically. We enable uh, our clients... Um, like the Cowboys and the New Orleans Saints, New Orleans Pelicans, um, to sell not only on SeatGeek, but to sell across the whole Internet, you know, on their terms at the sites they want to, and ultimately to reach more fans and deliver better experiences experiences to fans. So let's dive a little bit deeper into that. You mentioned the Cowboys and you mentioned the Saints. However, you did not mention any of the NFL. 
other NFL teams. So what is that partnership like uh, between the NFL and different ticket entities and then yourselves and those teams? Yeah, so the NFL has uh, launched something that is really interesting. Um, this is the first season uh, it's live, and we're thrilled to be partners with the NFL working on it. And, and the, the basic idea here is that that openness that I've been talking about um, is something that um, with certain uh, specific partners that the NFL is rolling out league-wide. Um, so, for example, um, you will when you, when you buy a, a ticket on SeatGeek this year for any NFL team, it will be – what we would call be reissued through the primary ticketing platform of that team, whether that's SeatGeek or, or another company, so that the buyer of the ticket knows that he or she is getting a fully valid ticket that they can have total confidence um, they can have total confidence in, and it is delivered instantly. Um, and then also as part of that, teams are able to sell across um, the sites of these select partners um, when they're, they're selling their primary inventory as well. Very interesting. And I know you do a lot of work with the MLS. So what have you been doing with the various teams um, in Major League Soccer? Yeah, we're thrilled to have MLS as partners. Um, they're an incredibly innovative league. Um, we're um, the league-wide ticketing partner, and then we also work with uh, many of the specific um, MLS teams, including um, you know, Sporting Kansas City and Seattle Sounders and Los Angeles FC and, and many others. Um and, you know, along with uh, working closely with the MLS, we sort of um, conceived of the value of open ticketing and worked with them to create the first template for it when we launched with Sporting Kansas City uh, two years ago. Um, so they've really, you know, credit to them for being on the bleeding edge of this and, and doing it for all the right reasons. I mean, it's ultimately just to deliver um, better experiences and better time to MLS fans so they, get, they come back, you know, again and again. Sure. And have you seen with the MLS fans that they, you know, perhaps are more open to using a platform like this? Yeah. I mean, you know, I don't want to brag, but we've seen pretty incredible adoption. And we also um, very rigorously survey fans of the teams that we work with and found that they're much, much happier using SeatGeek than they were uh, via sort of the the incumbent company, Um, which is ultimately, you know, our, our Two big things that we're focused on are, are making fans happy and helping teams grow their businesses. Um, and we're really big believers that the open model um, is the best way to do that because fundamentally it aligns the interests of the ticketing platform with the team itself. And so what exactly does Geek do for the team, say, for example, the New Orleans Pelicans? Uh, so we... We'll sort of um, we act as the primary ticketing platform, so that means you know issuing um, all of the tickets that the uh, team is selling, but then providing the technical rails, so you know, the APIs for the team to sell on SeatGeek, but also on any other site. Um, and you know, primary ticketing software is complex. There's lots of other functionality that um, a box office or a you know season ticket sales group might use, um, which we deliver. Uh, but fundamentally, you can think about it sort of as the operating system for a venue that uh, allows them to run their business. So sticking with the Pelicans, for example, you know, their season's about to start again in a little bit. Mm-hmm. So talk us through the process. You know, what happens before the season when they're about to start ticketing up to when the fan has a ticket, you know, on their mobile device and getting into the door? Is their data captured? Um, just everything that goes into that. Yeah, that's a great question. It depends a bit on the specific situation. So, 
you know, every pro sports team uh, sells a good fraction of their tickets via season tickets. So at the beginning of the season, we're working on getting season tickets to every season ticket holder. Um, those season ticket holders could can then, um, you know, often transfer tickets to friends. So perhaps, you know, you have uh, 41 tickets for the Pelicans and you're going to go to 30, but then you're going to send five to one friend and six to another. Um, you might decide to resell some of those if there's some games you can't make. And then we'll also, of course, work uh, with the team to power the, the single game sales. So allowing them to set prices across all of the games that are scheduled. Um, and to your point, understand from a data perspective who they're selling to. Um, current uh, teams in, in the legacy, legacy paradigm know the identity of a surprisingly small number of people who are attending their events, usually less than half, which is a real problem, you know, on multiple dimensions. It's a problem from a security standpoint. It's a problem from a customer relationship standpoint. So by, by opening things up and allowing all information to sort of flow through this open system, we can pass that back to the team so they actually know who is in their venue um, and can use that intelligently. Right. Jack, you, uh, Seacake did something very innovative and is working with Snapchat, um, selling tickets, I believe, through that platform. Can you talk a little bit about that, um, what you've done and where you see that going in the future? Yeah, I'm really excited about it. So, you know, talking a bit about the value of open distribution, and um, that isn't just selling tickets to folks in places that they're used to buying. It's also in new places. So, we're stoked to work with Snapchat. You know, the basic idea here is if you're going to, uh, we started with LAFC. Uh, so if you're going to an LAFC game and you're near um, the venue and using Snapchat, we offer folks the ability to buy right within the app. And Snapchat makes it incredibly simple to have a, a ticket um, bought in a few taps, a few swipes, tickets delivered to your phone, and then you can get in. Um, so, you know, ultimately that's the first of um, many of these sorts of more um, somewhat outside-the-box ways of distributing that we're uh, really looking forward to work on. And, and how is that going? When did that, when did that program start? <laughs> that we first launched about two months ago at this point. Let's look at the exact date. I think it was in June. And do you think that uh, any of the NFL teams that you work with would be so forward-thinking to do that? Um, so ultimately, you know, with the NFL, thanks to the new system, that's defined by uh, the league itself and who it sort of identifies as partners. So you know, ultimately, I think that's um, it's an NFL league decision, and I'd have to defer to them um, uh, based on uh, who, who joins as official participants. Sure. Um, so recently, uh, the decision was made to acquire TopTix, which is a ticketing software company. What does that open up for SeatGeek? Yeah, so when we got into this two years ago, um, like many startups, we faced uh, what folks call a buy versus build decision where we were trying to decide if we wanted to, to build our own primary ticket platform or uh, acquire uh, one that existed out there. And pretty early on, became really just enamored with what uh, TopTix had built. TopTix is a company that's, that's based in Israel but has had offices throughout Europe and the U.S., um, just fell in love with their software. Thought that you know, honestly, we'd really <laughs> be lucky to, to build something that good ourselves. So, um, uh, after um, working closer with them, they, we fully joined forces early last year, 2017, um, and um, their team has you know stayed on and uh, become very much part of SeatGeek. But you know, ultimately, that enables us to just uh, deliver really by far the most modern um, API-driven uh, ticket platform 
to some of the biggest teams on earth, um, and to do that within the, the CP consumer experience, which we you know humbly think is, is the best thing out there. How does a company like SeatGeek stay ahead of the curve to, you know, keep up with the data and technology and, you know, stay in front of the competition in a space like this? Yeah, we think of ourselves as as really, you know, a technology company that has chosen to work on live entertainment and pour, you know, uh, mind share into that. But but fundamentally, we're, we're a technology company first. And I think that's kind of an important even though it may seem like a small distinction, an important mindset, because you find that a lot of companies in sports and entertainment think of themselves really as sports entertainment companies, hire that way, and then use technology because, you know, oh, of course you have to, but they're, they're, they don't start with technology, whereas we do. Um, so, you know, there's many people who work here who are obsessed with um, live entertainment and go to, you know, 60-plus events a year, but there's also folks who, who don't, uh, you know, not necessarily a major part of their life, and that's totally fine because they still enjoy building, you know, incredible uh, software and having it used by millions of folks. You have a very impressive list of investors, um, some companies and then some individuals, including sports icons. Do you ever work with them? Um, you know, we have. We certainly will kind of get informal advice from them. So many, uh, so much value wrapped up in different people's personal brands these days. We want to be very sensitive to not abuse that for our own um, for our own gain. So um, we're honored to have a lot of the people uh, that we have involved, and we'll get, uh, we'll get kind of informal advice from many of those folks, but I uh, haven't done too much that's been formally structured in terms of marketing and uh, endorsement and that sort of thing. Sure. You also recently um, came into a naming rights deal in Chicago. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, I'm excited about that. So we're uh, we're working with the Chicago Fire to um, to power their venue, and and also as you mentioned, um, we've uh, acquired the naming rights for the stadium. So um, it'll be called Seagate uh, Stadium, um, and that you know first time for us. So um, we went into it knowing that uh, we probably had some learning to do as we went along, but um, uh, we're excited. You know, it's, it's fun, obviously, for everyone on the team. And we also think it should really help raise awareness in that in that market. Yeah, huge market. So I would imagine that would be very positive for you guys. Um, one more question for you, Jack. Can you talk about what you're excited about moving forward with SeatGeek? Yeah, you know, um, ultimately, we feel like we've spent so much time kind of building um, the infrastructure of what is now becoming a pretty big groundswell change in the wider entertainment industry, where as things have you know moved fully mobile and are being distributed openly, we're able to just do things that previously um, were not possible and get millions and millions and millions of incremental folks into venues. There's a huge problem still in pro sports, uh, where you know up to depending on who you ask, half of inventory out there ultimately goes unsold, goes unused. Um, and it's mostly just an access and awareness problem. If you can get the right inventory in front of the right folks um, and can deliver to them seamlessly, then that number goes down to something much, much less. Um, so it's fun for me is after you know many years of kind of working on the constituent parts of solving that problem, we're finally beginning to really see meaningful results. And just one follow-up to that. How are you um, making consumers aware of, of the platform? Lots of different ways. It's sort of a you know attack it from many different angles um, kind of solution. But you know, traditional marketing, um, 
on the line. We're also we, we, we have sponsorship arrangements with a lot of the teams we work with. Um, and, you know, also word of mouth is still just a huge growth driver for us. Because ultimately, I think it's building the best product that people are naturally going to tell, uh, tell their friends about it, tell their family about it. And uh, the cheapest kind of acquisition you can do is word of mouth. So uh, we lean into that hard. Absolutely. Jack, we really appreciate you taking the time to join us today and educate our audience about SeatGeek. Thank you. For sure. Thanks so much for having me. Absolutely. For more guest interviews, check out our Wharton Business Radio Highlights podcast on iTunes and Google Play.